All right, I appreciate everybody making it out uh, back tonight. And again, uh, I want to reiterate that I am thankful to be here, thankful uh, for the invitation. It was wonderful to get to meet you guys and fellowship with you all. Uh, you all have a wonderful church. If you're here visiting this church, if you live anywhere within driving distance of this church, uh, I believe that uh, I would make it a priority to try to be here. It's a very, uh, very good church, and I like the spirit here. I, I, and again, I've enjoyed talking to, to many of you while I've been here. But look down at uh, Acts 20, verse number 24. The Bible says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now, in this chapter, this chapter is so important because Paul is with the leaders there in Ephesus, and he's fixing to go to Jerusalem. And he talks about that he goes bound to Jerusalem, and he says, not knowing what's going to befall me there. And look at the verse number 37. says, And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanying him to the ship. So a lot of times a man's last words to someone, especially if he knows that that's the last words he's going to speak to them, those are very important words. It's, it's, it's generally the words that, that uh, they have the most sincerity. They're trying to drive home a point and try to ensure that whatever message they wish to convey to the hearer, that they can convey that message before they depart. Because they think to themselves, I'm not going to have another opportunity to uh, admonish them. I'm not going to have another opportunity to encourage them. So that's why I think this chapter is so very important. Then uh, the title of my sermon this evening is Finish the Race with Joy. Ha! <laughs> now, I had to throw that in there for Pastor McMurtry. Hebrews 12, verse number 1 says, Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I was saved in the year of 2000. I don't know when you were saved, but the moment you trusted Christ for salvation, the gun was fired and you began the race of this Christian life. How you run the race of the Christian life is up to you, each and every person. It's up to you if you choose to sit down and rest, if you choose to run the race slow or fast, if you want to carry around a lot of weights, a lot of sins along this race of yours. It's up to you if you even make the choice to not run the race at all. To just sit down and watch the other racers and the other runners pass you by. Maybe the course is too hard. You know, Paul talks about running his course. Maybe the course is too hard. Maybe there's too many hurdles that you have to trudge through along life's road and, and, and you just want to sit down. You're just kind of tired. I've tripped up a lot on my race, on my Christian race. And no doubt there's people in here that's tripped up in their Christian race as well. And you know, you hear so much preaching where people will say, you know, we got to finish the course. We got to finish the course. We got to finish the course. And that's true. And I want each and every person here to finish the course. But what I would like more than that is for each person in here to finish their course with joy. Because it's so much easier to finish that course with joy. I'd like for you to be able to say at the end of your life, 2 Timothy 4, 7, as Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. I've been in church most of my life, folks, and during the course of my life, I've seen so many people that today are not running the Christian race. They have fallen by the wayside, and they are no longer serving God, no longer in church, no longer read their Bible. They don't care anything about Christianity. I've seen it so many times. 
And you know, I, I, I know Pastor McMurtry probably feels the same way. As much as I enjoy everyone's company here, I've even told my own church members, I would be an absolute fool and naive to think that in 10 years, the exact same crowd is going to be sitting at Liberty Baptist Church. It just doesn't happen. The race in the course is hard, folks, and there's many difficulties. But again, Paul gives these admonitions to these leaders in Ephesus to cause them to finish this race with joy. And I hope that you can finish the race with joy. And I want to try to give you the same admonitions and go through this chapter so that you don't finish this race with regret. Because I don't want you to have regrets in your life. I don't want you to get to the end of your life and think I should have read my Bible more. I should have won more souls. I should have given up a whole lot, uh, you know, worldliness a whole lot more. Prayed more, not cared about things so much. Been a blessing, not labored for money. I hope you don't live your life with regret. Because, again, it's a sad day to wake up at the end of your life and you have so many should-haves in your life. And I know a lot of us do have those in our lives. You know, we all are, are imperfect people. We've all made bad decisions. We all could probably look back on our lives and say, well, I should have done this or I should have done that. But I don't want us to say that with our Christian lives. That you should have served God more. I want to give you 10 ways to show how you finish this Christian race with joy. And if you're a habit of taking notes, I'd like for you to write these down. And hopefully I'm going to try to uh, zoom through these 10 as quick as I can. You know, I don't want to be here all night. They, there was a preacher that was preaching. He was very, very long winded. And this little girl tugged on her mom. And she said, Mom, she said, what's after this guy? And the mom said, Thursday. <laughs> And I hope, I hope that I'm not going to preach until Thursday, right? But look down at verse number 17. The first thing uh, that we can finish our Christian race with joy is to be consistent. Look at verse number 17. Paul says, and from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And then where they were coming to him, he said unto them, You know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I've been with you at all seasons. Hey, if you want to finish the Christian race with joy, be consistent. Don't be a faker, right? Don't be one way at church and one way at home. You need to be consistent in your Christian life. You know, don't be one way when then life's good and one way when life's rocky. Folks, you don't need to just throw away your Christianity when bad things come to your doorstep. Because guess what? Bad things are going to come to your doorstep tragedies are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. Financial calamity is going to happen. Whatever, you know, uh, uh, can happen in your life will probably happen in your life. And that shouldn't shake your Christianity and your service for the Lord. Look what he says in, in verse number. Uh, let me get over here with my notes. Yes, yeah, stay in verse number 17. or I'm sorry, verse number 18. He says, you know from the first day that I came in Asia after what manner I've been with you at all seasons. He's the same all the time. You know, who's been around all these people that are just really super moody? You know what I mean? It depends on what day it is. You know, uh, one day they're fired up for serving the Lord. and The next day they're not fired up for serving the Lord. Hey, you don't need to be that way in your life. You need to serve the Lord. Hey, it's not God's fault. You know, you made a mess of your finances. It's not God's fault. You made a bunch of dumb decisions in your life and you're reaping the consequences of those things. But those things shouldn't have an effect on our lives, and we need to be consistent in our lives. We need to be consistent in our church attendance. Don't say, attend church, you know, uh, the, the hollies and the lilies. Who's heard of that? The hollies and the lilies, you show up for Christmas and Easter, okay? Don't show up for church. Be consistent with your church attendance. Make Pastor McMurtry wonder where you're at when you're not here. 
Not just, oh, you know how they are. They're, they just come whenever they want to. Don't be that way. Be consistent with your church attendance. Be consistent with your Bible reading. Don't sit there and start, you know, January 1st. Everybody's going to be, I'm reading the Bible through this year, won't they? And they're going to get this uh, Bible reading plan. They're going to download it. They're going to put it in their Bible. They're going to read Genesis. They're going to read Exodus. And they're going to read Leviticus. Aren't they? Well, maybe I'll start the New Testament. And they'll jump over there to Matthew. And they'll read Matthew, Mark, and then after Luke, just, uh, I, I, I just couldn't find the time, right? And they'll just uh, peter out. Be consistent with your prayer life. Be consistent with your soul winning. You know, I, I wanna, let me let you in on a little secret. You know, I don't always feel like going soul winning. Did you know that? Did you know there's times that Pastor McMurtry's went soul winning that he doesn't feel like soul winning? Did you know that? That he's thought to himself, I would rather not go. I'm tired. He's thought that. I can promise you that. I've thought that. You go anyway. You hear me? You go anyway. Well, my back's hurting. You go anyway, right? Curtis Hudson talked years ago about some guy. He, he met some guy that wasn't coming to the church. And he asked the guy, he says, where have you been? You know, how come you've not been coming to church? And the guy said, well, there's milk in the refrigerator. And he's like, what? And the guy says, that's about as good as excuse as anything, you know, for not coming to church. Hey, if, if you use an excuse for not going soul winning, the devil's just going to keep giving you excuses. You're always going to have an excuse. It's too hot. It's too cold. You know, my porridge is too hot. Don't be a Goldilocks soul winner, okay? Go soul winning no matter what. It is a command. What people don't realize is regardless of how you feel, it, that's not, you know, oh, I don't feel like soul winning. That doesn't change the fact that lost people need to hear the gospel, Okay. So be consistent, uh, consistent. Don't make decisions about serving God. Make one decision to serve God and serve him for the rest of your life. So be consistent. Number two, be humble. Look at verse number 19. And this is something I think that a lot of Christians need to work on. It says serving, uh, verse number 19, serving the Lord. Look what he says, with all humility of mind. So having humility of mind, being humble. Philippians 2, 3 says, let nothing be done through uh, uh Strive for vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Hey, you need to esteem other people better than yourself, right? You need to put their needs first before yourself. That means the church members. That means the lost. That means other Christians. Look at verse number 19 again. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears. Do you see that? Paul says he serves the Lord with a lot of tears. Look what it says in verse number 31. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day. Look what Paul says with tears. I really believe that to finish this Christian race with joy, you're going to have to shed some tears in your life. And if you've not shed tears in your Christian life, you need to pray and ask God to send you some tears because you need to start having a broken heart. You want to know what makes it easier to go soul winning? If you have a broken heart for the lost out there and you're not trying to just fill out a checkbox or, hey, all of the other guys are going out soul winning, so I'm going to go soul winning too. Hey, you'll be the first one in the van 10 years from now if you'll get a broken heart for the lost, right? So let's get some tears in our Christian life. People, it's like they have dry eyes, you know, and we're not looking for everybody to sob and fall on the altar and all that other, you know, nonsense. Hey, we're talking about somebody that genuinely uh, has some humility of mind, someone that puts themselves in the ministry of others and serving others with their life. 
Folks, if you serve yourself with your life, you're going to be a miserable person. You hear me? If you pour your life into other people, hey, other people are always going to have needs. You're always going to have a purpose. You're always going to have something to do, something, some some higher purpose than just, hey, I'm just going to serve myself, right? Go to Jeremiah chapter number 13. Jeremiah chapter 13. You know, I think it's funny. A lot of times, you know, people, they, they want to be zealous and hardcore about serving the Lord, and they start talking about persecution. That's the big word, right? Oh, it's persecution, you know. They'll go to Menards, and they'll tell them wear a mask. Oh, they're persecuting me, you know. <laughs> they'll go they'll go to the Kroger, and they'll, they'll say, hey, do you guys have any, you know, avocados? And they're like, oh, we're out. Oh, it's because I'm a Christian. You know they had them in the back. You know what I mean? These people, they, they just cook up all this, all these scenarios of persecution in their lives, right? And it's always persecution, persecution, persecution. You know, they're supposed to be flipping hamburgers at the Burger King. But they're, they, you know, they're like, well, uh, uh, you know, I was trying to witness to them and he just kept telling me to make hamburgers. Well, you know what? If it's your job to make hamburgers, you need to make hamburgers. Preach to him after, after you clock out, right? But we're all about persecution, aren't they? And, and, and they'll start pointing all these people, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, Elijah, Jesus, and all these other things. And people want to rattle those verses off. But look here at this verse, because all of the great Christians in the Bible, yes, they suffered persecution, but you know what? They all wept, too. We want to sit and quote that verse, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Well, I'd submit to you that all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will shed some tears. Okay. Look at uh, Jeremiah 13, verse number 17. You know, I'd be ashamed. You think about it. You get to heaven, and you're talking to Jeremiah the prophet. You just run into him, you know, after however long. You see some guy, and you're like, hey, hey, who are you? And he's like, well, I'm the prophet Jeremiah. And you're like, oh, wow, it's so great to meet you. Hey, I read your story, read everything. I've suffered some persecution myself. And Jeremiah's like, really? Yes, I went to Facebook jail. (laughs) And, you know, and, and Jeremiah's like, Wow, do they do the dungeon? And you're like, yeah, yeah, the dun- did they have mire there and muck and all, you know? And then you tell him, no, actually, I just really couldn't get online for like a week or so. Jeremiah would be like, oh, okay, you know? I'd be ashamed to tell him. But uh, people get in Facebook jail and they're like, oh, it's persecution, you know? And it is, but good grief. It's, it's Facebook jail, okay? Show me the wound. Show me where I need to put the Band-Aid. Okay, it's Facebook jail. Come on now. Persecution. Jeremiah 13, verse number 17. Look what he says. But if you will not hear it, my soul shall weep in secret places for your pride. Mine eyes shall weep sore and run down. Look what he says. With tears, because the Lord's flock is carried away captive. Folks, we should be sad that Christians are captive to false doctrine. We want to sit there and point out all the heretics and, oh, this church is wicked and this church is full of heretics. And and you know what? Hey, we do need to proclaim the truth and try to bring these people into the truth and try to combat and preach against false doctrine. But you know what? We ought to shed some tears that these people are being led astray in a lot of these churches. We should be sad for the lost. We should be sad for all of the blind people and the bewitched people of this world. We need to serve the Lord with many tears like Paul did. Go back to Acts chapter 20. So number one, be consistent. Number two, be humble. Number three, be open. Acts 20.20. I've heard a hundred sermons preached on Acts 20.20. Look what he says, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. 
Acts uh, 20, verse number 26, Wherefore I take you to record this day, I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. He said he kept back nothing that was profitable. You know, he said, well, what, what, what is he talking about? What could we keep back that's profitable? Well, the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. So all Scripture is profitable. So if we get up and we try to trim the message, we're not giving people everything that is profitable out of God's Word. And it talks about that he, he teaches them publicly. Hey, as far as I know, I'm on YouTube right now, right? Live and all the world to see. Are there people that like this preaching? Some. Are there people that hate this preaching? Some. But you know what? It's public. We're not like the Mormon church, right? That makes everything. We're not like the, the Masonic Lodge. Everything needs to be public and open. And he talks about he's uh, taught publicly and from house to house, talking about door-to-door soul winning, right? Go to Matthew chapter number uh, 26. Matthew chapter number 26. Matthew 26. We talk about serving the Lord publicly. Keeping your Christianity a secret is going to make you miserable. Okay? If you're a Christian, you need to tell everyone that you know that you're a Christian. Okay? Tell them. Does your employers know that you're a Christian? Does your family know that you're a Christian? And I know this sounds bizarre, but there's people that literally try to hide being a Christian. Because they don't want to be looked at like some kind of uh, weirdo. It's going to make you miserable, folks. If you keep that bottled up inside, look at Matthew 26, verse 69. Now, Peter sat without the palace and the damsel came unto him, saying, Thou wast, or also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto uh, them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied with an oath. I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him, they stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them. For thy speech bereath thee, then began he to curse and swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. But and Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out, and he wept bitterly. You see, Peter was miserable because he did not confess Jesus Christ. And if you read a passage, it looks like, uh, the, as far as the, the, the locale, that he could actually see Jesus while he's denying him. If you read the passage in John, I believe it is. But rip that Band-Aid off with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers. Let them know that you are a Bible-believing Christian. Don't come to Liberty Baptist Church and park over at Casey's and put a bag over your head and walk around the store through the woods, through the parking lot, and come in the back door. You need to be proud that you go to Liberty Baptist Church. You hear me? Oh, I don't want to tell my family that. They'll think I'm weird because Liberty Baptist Church is, you know, they have a one-star Google review or whatever it is. Don't let that bother you. You want to know why he has a one-star? I don't know what your Google rating is. I think mine's like negative four, but I don't know. It doesn't matter, you know? You want to know why he doesn't have a five-star review? Because he preaches the truth, and the world doesn't like the truth. And you need to be happy uh, that you go to this church, and you need to be proud that you go to this church, and you need to tell your friends and your family that you go to this church. Oh, you go to that Liberty Baptist Church? Yes, I go to Liberty Baptist Church. It's the only church in Rock Falls, right? The only legit church, I guess. I don't know. There may be a good church down the street. I don't know. But yes, tell them that. Oh, do you, do you, you know, somebody, somebody be telling you, oh, this so-and-so is this old King James only guy or whatever. 
And you're like, oh, yeah, that's kind of weird. No, you need to tell people that you're King James only. Okay? You need to tell people that you believe in soul winning. You need to tell people that you knock doors. You knock doors? That's weird. Tell them. You will be miserable if you don't tell them. Okay? And who knows? That might open up an opportunity for you to be able to preach the gospel to your family. So don't hold these things. So number one, be consistent. Number two, be humble. Number three, be open. Number four, be brave. Acts 20, 22. Look down at verse number 22. Acts 20, 22. And, and now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me. You know, a lot of times we go into danger not knowing what will befall us. You know, Jerusalem was dangerous for Paul. Uh, and, and there's some, I guess, potential dangers for us. Like I said, the majority of, of persecution that we talk about is Facebook jail or something. Or or I've, I've got a, a voicemail. I'm sitting in my office, you know, uh, uh, drinking a fizzy drink, listening to uh, somebody leave me a voicemail. Mm, big deal, right? Oh, I'm just so, my, I'm, my, my whole world's crumbled, right? Who cares? If somebody protests us, who cares? I've got a big parking lot now. They'll be way over there. Well, you could get sued. Who cares, right? You could get, uh, uh, people could attack you, okay? Who cares? It doesn't matter because you remember what Paul says? He says, neither can I my life dear. You, you, you can't worry about these things, but you could get fired at your job. Whenever I made the news, there were people at our church that left. They did not want to be associated with our church at all. And whatever. I mean, that's that's their their business. But, hey, I was happy for the people that loud and proud right in front of the protesters and the cameras and everything. Just walked right past them and walked in our church and we had church, right? You got to be brave. You know, bravery is just action in the face of danger. That's what bravery is, and we need to be brave to finish this race with joy. So number one, be consistent, be humble, be open, be brave. Number five, be unmovable. Acts 20, 24, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. Paul says none of these things will move me. What's going to move you is a question you need to ask yourself. What's going to move you? Because I'm telling you, if there's something that will move you away from your Christian walk, it will. Did you know that? If there's something that will derail you, it will. If it's your relationships, finances, illness, persecution, whatever it may be, if it can derail your Christianity, if something can move you, it will move you. Look at 2 Corinthians 11:24. Paul says of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, saved one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. Who's, who's, who's ever been whipped in here? Anybody? I'm talk, talking about kids, right? All the kids are like, my kids are, I got both hands up, right? Who's ever been whipped? With a, nobody? Oh, okay, okay. What, anybody been beaten with rods? Stoned? Anybody? No? Anybody shipwrecked a night and a day? There was that cruise in 93. I'm just kidding. Look what he says, though. Verse 26. And journeyings often in perils of water, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, perils by the heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren. He's like, everywhere I turn, I'm in peril. I'm in danger everywhere I turn. Look what he says. In weariness, in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Do you see that? Paul suffered, folks. There's not a person in here in this church that suffered like Paul, and Paul kept going. Paul said, I've uh, finished my course. I've kept the faith. 
How did he do that? Philippians 3, verse number 7, he says, What things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Realize that it's all loss. It's all loss. Other than what's done for Christ. What is that, that poem? Only one life so soon will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. And we need to be unmovable in our Christian lives. Look at verse number 25. So number one, be consistent, be humble, be open, be brave, be unmovable, be ready to lose people. Look at verse 25. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. You shouldn't be afraid to lose people. Did you know if you serve the Lord, you're going to lose people? Uh, Matthew uh, chapter 10, verse 36 says, A man's foes shall be they of his own household. To finish this race with joy, you need to come to terms with you're going to lose friends. You're going to lose family. And it's, you, you don't have, here's a newsflash. When you're a Christian, you don't have to worry about like kicking your friends to the curb. They'll kick you to the curb. You hear me? You don't have to even worry about that. If you stand on the truth and you tell them, I'm a Christian, a Bible-believing, King James Bible-breathing uh, uh, Christian, I go to Liberty Baptist Church, we go soul winning, hey, we preach, you know, hellfire and damnation, you tell them that. And, and they want to talk about all sorts of worldly things, and you want to talk about the things of God, you'll grow apart, and you have to will it, be willing to give them up. You have to be willing to give your family up. You say, well, that doesn't sound fun. Well, you know what? To finish your race with joy, you're going to have to. I promise you there's going to be somebody in your life that you're going to have to give up, whether it be friends or family. There's going to be somebody that will see your face no more. So, number one, be consistent, be humble, be open, be brave, be unmovable, be ready to lose people. And then number seven, look at verse 28, be ready to feed, ready to feed. It says, take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to the flock, and which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood, so he talks about feeding the flock. Yes, Paul's talking to preachers. He's talking to elders. But, you know, somebody should be learning from you, whether it be your coworkers, your spouse, your friends. You should be teaching someone the Bible. That's the whole point. What, are we just going to get fat as a tick on, on Bible knowledge and just hold it in? And, you know, you'll, I, I, can, I can promise you this. You'll learn more if you teach, right? You will. You'll learn more. Uh, so some of the topics of the Bible, one that I can think of, of uh, off the cuff is dispensationalism. I learn more about dispensationalism from getting into a discussion with someone that's a dispensationalist on the telephone. You want to know why? I'm trying to teach them and trying to show them the truth. And you know what? It made me really get in my Bible and learn the Bible quite a bit. And you'll actually learn more. So it actually benefits you to be a teacher and to instruct people, okay? But somebody should be learning you. Pastor McMurtry tries to uh, uh, teach you knowledge, you know, and and uh, my brother here teaches the Sunday school sometimes. I don't know if it's if it swaps out, but what you learn in this church, you need to do your best to try to impart other people, right, and teach others. Look at verse number 33. Number eight, be content. He said, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. So don't be covetous. Be content. More than that, don't do things in life expecting a return. You know, be content with what the things that you have. Hebrews 13, verse number 5, he said, be content with such things as you have. For he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. First Timothy 6, 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. You need to be content with your Christian life, right? Because you know what? If you live a Christian life and you serve the Lord, chances are you're not going to be on the cover of Forbes magazine. 
You know, just you're, you're probably not. And you need to be content with the things that you have. Hey, we have God, right? We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have, Heaven's going to be our home. Heaven's much better than this place. My back hurts, folks. You hear me? My back, I, I get up and my knees sound like snap, crackle, pop, like a, a Rice Krispies, like you poured the milk on Rice Krispies. That's not going to be that way in heaven. So, so why would I just invest myself in this life? Have, have you read the news? Have you seen how screwed up the world is? Honestly, just how depressing it is to read the news. Why would you invest in this life? You need to invest in the world to come, in the eternal life. That's why you need to be getting out soul winning. That's why you need to be teaching others. That's why you need to be serving in the local church and be a blessing to people. Why are you pouring yourself into this life? It is a waste of time. Paul said it's like dung. Everybody know what dung is? If not, ask me after the service, okay? I already said doo-doo this morning, and I, I can't talk about it anymore. I'm not going to get asked back. Look at verse number 34. There's a certain expectation of a southern preacher that McMurtry has that I have to just meet, right? Look at verse number 34. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities to them that were with me. I have showed you all things so that, or so how that laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. So number nine, be a hard worker. You need to be a hard worker. You need to work in this church. You hear me? So many churches, and there's a saying, it said 20% do 80% of the work. You hear me? And a lot of times, the people that are in that, that, that 80% that don't do squat, they think that they're in the 20% that do everything, okay? You need to be a worker in this church. And I don't care what it is. Whether it be you, you go soul winning, whether it be you print bulletins, whether it be you help with the audiovisual, whether it be you vacuum, whether it be you clean a toilet, it doesn't matter, okay? Work. For this church, be a blessing in this church and labor in this church. You need to labor in your own job. Don't be a lazy person, okay? Because if you're lazy on your job, everybody's going to know you're lazy. And whenever you want to talk about God tomorrow and you're the laziest bum at the job, nobody wants to listen to you because they think you're a joke. I've told our people that a bunch. You want to know why? Because there was a guy that was a deadbeat at our church and he always talked about trying to witness to people. And I knew the guy was a deadbeat. You want to know why he wasn't successful? Because he was a lazy bum, and everybody that worked with him thought he's a lazy bum. What is he not saved? Do you think he's a reprobate? No, I think he's lazy, okay? And he's get kicked in the rear end, what I think, okay? Look at verse number 36. So number one, be consistent, be humble, be open, be brave, be unmovable, be ready to lose people, be ready to feed, be content, be a hard worker. Number 10, pray for others. Verse 36, and when that does... Uh, Spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. We need to pray for one another, right? Pray for other people. How often do you pray for others? Or do you say, God, we just want to thank you for this day. Now, Lord, let me just show you my Christmas list, okay? Lord, I want you to do this for me today, and this for me today, and this for me today. Like that we're just rubbing some magic lamp, right? You need to be thankful to the Lord, but hey, you need to pray for other people. Maybe pray and you don't even ask for anything for yourself. You know, I, I, I've told our church people, I said, why don't why don't you look for for like opportunities to pray for people? Talk to people in the church. Find out what's what's what they're struggling with in their life. 
Maybe in process of talking to people, I talk to Hugo, and I figure out that he's having some sort of struggle in his life. I'm not going to tell you all because I'm not a gossip. I'll keep that. I'll keep that between us, Hugo. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe he's struggling with something in his life. And I think to myself, I'm going to pray for Hugo all week long. I am going to fervently pray for Hugo. Folks, That you'll get such a blessing out of that. You really will. There was a lady that was having some health problems at church, and you know, and and we became aware of it, and we started praying for these things. And you want to know what the blessing is? Is when you see that prayer answered, right? And you know you prayed for it. Boy, what a blessing that is! Can you imagine if if? And I'm picking on you, Hugo, just because I like your sweater. You imagine if Hugo was having some sort of health issue, some problem, maybe it was something just really, really bad. And and I, I, I thought, you know, I told him, I'm going to pray for you, brother. And it wasn't just words coming out of my mouth. And I went home and I prayed and I prayed night and day, every day, every time I thought of Hugo, I started praying for him. And I know that other people in the churches, can you imagine if like he, he made a statement, maybe he had a doctor's appointment. He came back and he said, hey, I went to the doctor and everything's all clear. There's no cancer or whatever it might be, but there was an answered prayer. Do you imagine how, what, how big of a blessing that would be for me? Folks, I'm telling you, you don't realize the power of prayer. We're not Benny Hinn slapping folks on the forehead, but guess what? God can still heal people. You know what? And if I can pray and, and, and petition God for healing for someone or for, for him to, to work in a situation and I can see that prayer answered, boy, what a blessing that is. You know, you need a little bit of reward to keep going, you know? And, and, and set yourself up uh, for God to be able to answer prayers. You have not because you ask not. If you don't ever ask God for anything, he's never obliged to give you anything, right? So you have not because you ask not. You know, these are some admonitions that Paul gave for people to finish the race with joy. Because it's not enough to finish the race. I want everybody to finish it with joy. Folks, are you going to be in church in 20 years? Honestly. Because let me tell you, the generation has fallen away, people that have been in church 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And there are people that do that. And those people, it's like they're, they're dying off. You know that? There's a lot of churches out there that the median age is 70, 80 years old. You know what I mean? Ten years, they're not even going to have a church. You know who, who the future of the church is? All you guys. The 20-year-old guys, the 30-year-old guys, the 40-year-old guys. But if you quit after 10 years, if you quit serving the Lord after 20 years, 15 years, 7 years, 5 years, next month, because of uh, any of these things, because you let Satan move you, because you let some situation move you, because you're having persecution, because you're having financial trouble, because you're having marital trouble, because you want to please mama, mama don't want you to go to Liberty Baptist Church for the rest of them weirdos, right? Whatever it is, if you cause it or allow it to derail your Christian life, What's the future of the Baptist going to be? Huh? It's going to be a bunch of fun centers. Are you going to be winning souls in 20 years? Are you going to be reading your Bible in 20 years? Huh? Ask yourself that. The Christian walk's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Are we going to look back on our lives, folks, and say none of these things move me? Are we going to say my family didn't move me? My job didn't move me? My financial problems, the death of the loved one didn't move me? And, you know, I know that's hard, but there's people that after a death of a loved one, they don't come back to church. It doesn't matter what it is. Cook up the scenario in your in your mind. If that scenario will cause you to stop serving the Lord, I guarantee that scenario will probably happen to you, you know? Something will happen to you. What about a church split? Is that going to move you? Huh? 
Those things happen. They happen way too much. Disagreement with people of the church, is that going to move you? Is the, is the Christmas punch going to move you, right? <laughs> Honestly, what's going to move you? Your marital problems, is that going to move you? Are you going to be able to say that I've been steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord? I want us all to say that. I really do. There's a lot of you folks that I don't know. You know, if, if you never know what tomorrow holds. I don't know if I, I hope I'll be back. I hope me saying doo-doo three times now won't get me thrown out of not coming back. See, we're expected to be a little crazy in the South, right? I hope that and I hope to come back. But I'm telling you, there it's very possible that there's some people in this room that I will never see again. You realize that? Never. I'll never talk to you again. I will never see you again. I will never have opportunity. You just never know. Maybe I do come back next year, right? Maybe I do come back. Maybe you're not able to come back. Who knows? But the, the, the point is, is I want each and every person in here to finish the race with joy. Folks, it is up to us. The world is going to hell in a hat basket. You hear me? It, 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 it's, it's on a, a, a slide to hell. Things are getting worse each and every day. It's up to us. I mean, we're going to have to be stronger and stronger. You think things are going to be better in 10 years or worse? They're going to be worse, right? You think the opportunity to go out and preach the gospel, you think that we're going to have more liberty in 10 years or less, right? You think serving the Lord is going to be more difficult in 10 years or, or less difficult, right? We're going to have to be stronger. And if you're not willing to do that, if you if you don't heed these admonitions and try to make a decision, I want to finish my race with joy, folks are going to wash out. And I don't want to see that happen for anybody in here. How many people, you know, how many of these kids in here would say, hey, do you remember so-and-so? Yeah, I do. You know, and little whoever. Yeah, how's that? how old is he now? Oh, he's 16. You know, some one of these little kids here. Right, okay, cool. Is he still going to Liberty? No, he's, you know, on drugs or whatever else. I don't want to see that for our kids. I don't want to see that for us. I don't see that for anyone because I've seen so many people drop out of church, so many people, and we need to make a decision that we're going to finish our race with joy. And you know what? It's tough, but you just got to keep going. Somebody asked me, they said, how do you keep going, you know, with all, all the junk that's happened to me? And honestly, it's not been that bad. I've told this story at my church several times, but during the heat of all that, whatever, I made the news and all that, you know, I'm getting bombarded with all these emails and phone calls and stuff. My wife had this really pretty dress on, okay? So my wife had this pretty dress on. She had an apron on, and she was baking some cornbread, okay? Corn muffins for some folks, whoever. And she said, would you like a corn muffin? I was sitting in my recliner at home. She said, would you like a corn muffin? I said, yes, ma'am, I would. So she comes in there, and she's got this cornbread muffin with butter dripping off the thing, right? And she brings it to me. My pretty wife brings it to me, hands it to me, and I'm eating this buttery, good cornbread. And I, and I told her, I said, boy, this is suffering, you know? <laughs> In all actuality, really, how bad do we get it? If you can't hack, if you can't hack stuff now, you ain't going to be able to hack it whenever things really get tough. Let's finish it. Let's finish it, honestly. Let's finish the race. Let's finish it with joy. Wouldn't it be awesome if we would sit there and, and, and at the end of our lives, we could say like Paul, 
I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Wouldn't that be great if in 50 years I'd be a really, really, really old man, right? I came back. And you know what? The same people that are here right now are still serving Lord. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be fantastic? Wouldn't it be fantastic if we just, you know, had to get a bigger building because the church grew so much and, and nobody left the church and the people that are sitting here are still serving the Lord? Wouldn't that be fantastic? I would love it. It's not reality, but I would love it. You need to take heed to it because you know, you know whose decision it is to, to stay with it? Yours, not mine. If I had that button to make you stick, serve God for the rest of your life, I'd press it every day. I know if Pastor McMurtry had the same button, he would press it every single day. I'd press it for myself twice, right? But we don't have that button. We all have free will in here. So let's take heed to ourselves, folks, and make sure that we finish the race. I do. Boy, serving the Lord is wonderful. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to not serve the Lord with my life. You know, my life is so much better, and your life is so much better in the will of God. So don't trade that. Don't trade that for, for anything. Don't get out of church. Don't get out of church. Don't start serving the Lord. Don't stop soul winning. Don't stop reading your Bible. So I'm just kind of tired of it. It doesn't matter. Do you not think Jesus was tired when he was walking up to Calvary? Do you think he got tired? Do you think he got dehydrated? 100%. So let's just go on for the Lord no matter what. Don't let anything shake us from this course that we're on. Again, if you're saved, you're on the course. The gun's been fired. How you finish that course, if you finish that course, it's up to you. And I'll just pray that we would make a decision to that we're going to finish. And we're going to finish with a smile on our face. The joy of the Lord, the Bible says, is your strength. You want to be strong? Be joyful in life. Let's bow our for prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord. And God, I pray for each and every person here, Lord. I, I do pray, God, that we would all... Just stay the course and be steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding in the work. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us, Lord. Again, I would be naive to think that everyone in here, God, will be serving you in 20, 30, 40, 50 years, God. But, Lord, I pray for it. I do pray, God, that you would just deal with our hearts, Lord, when we start going astray. And, God, I just pray that you would just help us to to always take an account of ourselves, Lord, and, and to, to see, Lord, when we're slipping away and get back on, Lord, because I want us all to finish this course. I want to finish this course, Lord. I want my children to finish this course. And God, just please just help us to accomplish that. In Jesus' name, amen.